0: Welcome to Film is Lit, the full spoilers podcast where we take a piece of literature and compare and contrast it to its film or television adaptation. My name is Danny, the self-appointed film expert.
1: That was a clean start. My name is Laura Sheher, the lit expert.
0: Equally as clean. (laughs) We're coming into the new year hot. Laura, happy new year.
1: Happy New Year. Oh my goodness. Let's uh let's get 2023 started with a champagne bang.
0: Exactly. Yeah. As Every New Year's I like to reflect on the year we just had. And 2022 was a year of ups and downs, both in our personal lives and in the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. mostly ups though. I think we really hit our stride in 2022. I look forward to this year. We have a bunch of great episodes on the horizon, including this one that we're doing right now. (laughs) No,
1: I I think you're right with the podcast. I think this has always been something fun, but because 2022 felt like a little bit of a mess, I think that this was sort of a consistent highlight and to your point this is the first year that we made our holiday episode before the holidays right did yeah
0: (laughs) reading a book and watching a movie and analyzing both takes a lot of time so we usually miss those marks of like holidays on our schedule also we had big hiatuses last year because we got married yeah. um, so that took up about two months of our time and then also we went to a bunch of weddings as well so we promised less breaks this year maybe that's one of our resolutions.
1: I never make promises.
0: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> right exactly but also you know in our personal lives we had a, a bunch of lows as well. Um, right
1: complex like a good bottle of wine yes the year (laughs) which is a good segue to what we're going to cover today in this episode yes
0: today on the pod we are covering the 2004 film sideways written by alexander payne and jim taylor adapted from the 2004 rex pickett book of the same name sideways again full spoilers this is a very popular movie so chances are you've seen it so let's get into it this is a very exciting episode I feel like I just want to jump right into it in terms of our journeys because Mm. it's very exciting and I have to give you a big pat on the back for this was your idea to cover this well
1: I had no idea that this was a book until I watched it on a plane but I don't know how many people can relate to this, but I feel like some parents just have things that they hate Mm -hmm. and like they don't, there's like no rationale for it. But Mm -hmm. I feel like specifically like my mom just like hates specific actors and like won't even talk about them. She just like despises them so much. And that goes for movies as well. And this, for some random reason, I think my parents saw it when it came out, so 2004. And, like, since then, if, like, Paul Giamatti or this movie ever comes up in conversation, my mom will just sort of, like, shake her head and walk away. She just, like, will not discuss it.
0: I think it's... <laughs> I think it's a parent thing. Because, yeah, it's a parent my, thing, right? my parents have certain actors or movies, like, that they just won't Yeah. watch.
1: That's why I feel like it's a universal thing. And I, I don't know, maybe... When we become parents, there's gonna be something like that too, where we just like shake our head and walk away from a conversation. But like I've never been able to get to the bottom of this thing for my mom. And the funny thing is that I don't think I was ever like actively avoiding this film, but I think it was adult enough for multiple reasons that I just like never got over like my fifth grade sensibility of like this movie won't be for me, kind of, you know.
0: It, it identical journey for me. Not isn't that, that my funny? mom didn't like it, but that. I saw commercials for it when we were in fifth grade, and I immediately just dismissed it as as an adult movie. Kind of like,
1: yeah, filed it away in the back of your head, and for some reason, you know, we pay taxes, we're married.
0: (laughs) Isn't that weird?
1: We have an apartment, but like, I still filed this movie away in the back of my head of like, this is an adult movie, I can't watch it because I'm not an adult. So anyway, so it's been now almost 20 years since this film came out. It's 2023. It came out in 2004. And I happened to be on this plane. And for whatever reason, the flight had shit movie choices and sideways popped up. It was one of those flights that just has, like, old movies. Just, you're, like, no new ones in it.
0: Or Jurassic Park Dominion. Right, or something every, like that. <laughs> you're telling me you didn't want to watch <laughs> Jurassic Park Dominion?
1: Yeah. The guy on the flight back from Mass after Christmas did. <laughs> I watched it over his shoulder, and it looked as bad as I no knew taste. it would be. Um, you know anyway. when you just watch
0: what other people watch on, exactly. on flights, and you're just like, ugh, no taste exactly. at all. I um, <laughs> could never be your friend.
1: Yeah. I put it on because I'm on this 10-hour flight, 11 hour flight and I was like well you know maybe I'll get this adult movie out of the way right I loved it Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was so drawn in and of course watching a movie on a plane is never ideal but right and and I got so much more out of the movie the second time I watched it and by then I had read the book one of the first title cards that pops up says based on a book by Rex Pickett Mm. and I paused the movie and I took a picture with my phone and as soon as I landed at Heathrow I texted Danny and I was like did you know that this was based on a book we gotta cover it for the podcast because I by that point was obsessed I thought it was so fucking funny it's so smart the script is so tight even though it's a fairly aimless plot the relationship between the two main characters Miles and Jack is just so organic
0: right exactly.
1: I yeah which I is just, why it's
0: so good yeah, not, yeah I usually detest these kind of quirky indies you do that are aimless that don't have a plot but the magic trick of sideways is that it is an airtight screenplay disguised as a hangout movie yeah it, it actually does have a like an a to b plot but it's under the guise of being these two guys just having a trip but really it's about like friendship and love and the choices that define our future.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think there are so many themes in this hangout quote unquote genre movie that are not discussed enough when filmmakers or novelists are trying to create an organic relationship that that's the reason why it works because they talk about men with anxiety I mean, when was the last time that you saw or read a piece about men struggling with anxiety or depression? You know, what was the last time you saw even conversations around sort of casual alcoholics? There are so many of these like really dark themes. And also another one that pops up is, you know, questioning whether you really want to marry your betrothed. Like, there are so many like of these... me. Yeah, I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many of these really deep questions that are treated with not only respect, but also a realistic level of comedy that yeah. it just draws you in and it makes you want to have these conversations outside of your movie viewing experience. Yeah,
0: yeah the movie, I would say, is a tad more realistic than the book. The, Agreed. The movie just has less side events than the book book does
1: yeah well that's analysis yes
0: sorry (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting ahead of myself so
1: I think that's really all I have to say about it um you know the first time I saw it was a few months ago I read the book I enjoyed it but the movie is much tighter so I went back and watched the movie on a television which is better than a Mm -hmm. than a 12 inch airplane screen and I loved it just as much if not more than the first time that I watched it That's pretty much my journey with it. I begged my mom to watch it with us last night, and she opted out. And afterward, I walked upstairs, and I was like, you know, you might be misremembering something about this movie. I don't know. I still don't know what her hang-up is about it, but this is my plea. If anyone has a weird hang-up about it, like, revisit this, because it's so good.
0: Yeah. It's more rewatchable than I thought it would be. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. My journey. So... In 2006, I believe I was in 6th grade and I caught the second half. I think around around like 40% of the movie, the latter half on TV. And I remember being absolutely horrified mm-hmm. at Jack having an affair with a woman when he's about to get married. Right. Not that I was raised in this like super strict Religious householder. Yeah household or anything like that. We did go to church, but you know, it, 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 I Just was so it, I had never seen anything like that It was horrifying in a way that was realistic, right? Because I've I'd seen violence and like monsters and ghouls But someone having an affair Six days before their own wedding was just something I, I it was new to me I had this kind of loss of innocence but also a fascination with the film sure but you know i switched the channel or something like that i you know i don't even know how i was in the situation watching it in the first place so years later fast forward 2022 you watch it on the (laughs) flight and you decide to cover it for the podcast and i was mildly excited but I got to admit in the back of my mind I'm like ugh I am not looking forward to this at all like mm-hmm. this this pretentious wine movie and by the way I should relate to this because I'm a coffee snob I literally <laughs> I literally do what Miles does uh, with coffee. Yeah. Like go like to it roasteries it. and do do tastings and, and cupping it's called.
1: We went to a chocolate tasting on Christmas Eve, which was really mm-hmm. fun too. I, I love learning about how to taste things. So, right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So this should be very relatable to me because I I have a lot in common with Miles and I guess Maya too mm-hmm. uh, with their fascination with the origin and the story of, uh, I guess, a product, a food Mm -hmm. product, in their case, wine, in in our case, coffee. And chocolate. (laughs) Yeah, chocolate. It's very similar journeys in that, you know, coffee beans only grow in these very specific tucked away parts of the world. Same with wine. So it's closer than I thought. But I still wasn't looking forward to it just because I knew it as that quirky, snobby, pretentious movie from the early aughts
1: which usually don't age very well right speaking of wine yeah (laughs) to use a wine pun (laughs)
0: especially comedies in the early aughts and sideways is a, a dramedy but surprisingly ages so well yeah in fact they take out the movie takes out a few uh questionable jokes that the book has that would have that would have immediately dated it
1: I would say a bunch (laughs) yeah
0: and I'm not saying that the movie is like prudish uh, but I think just by cutting that stuff out it's now immediately rewatchable anyways that's analysis again okay I wasn't looking forward to it at all I was growing contempt for my partner for choosing it
1: (laughs) oh please I hope it didn't go that far (laughs)
0: It almost went that far. I, honestly. Then I listened to the audiobook. Almost immediately fell in love. I think the literary characters of Miles and Jack are so memorable and mm-hmm. well-written yep. and specific. They, they are big pieces of shit, especially <laughs> Jack. Yeah. But the trick of the book and the movie is that You cannot stop, in the book's case, listening to them, in the movie's case, watching them. It's like watching a train wreck. Mm. It is fascinating. And they're so funny, and I thought it would be stereotypical characters. I thought Miles would be this, you know, that sad sack who has anxiety and is just a loser, but he does have anxiety and he is not successful yet, but he is also, it's not that he's a bad writer, is that he's a writer who hasn't been published yet. Right. So he he's a talented writer who hasn't found success yet. So that means he's articulate and witty and can be confident with and he's words smart, and smart. Clearly, yeah. And Jack is this, you know, serial cheater, douchebag, but he is the most devoted friend to Miles possible, to a fault, right? Mm. Which we'll get into. So the dimension in these characters was so unexpected. Mm. I was absolutely blown away. On top of that hilarious, hilarious novel, hilarious movie. And by the end of the book, I'm almost getting like choked up thinking about the last chapter of Miles coming to realize like it's all coming full circle for him. And even though he didn't get his book published, he is now starting to distance himself from Jack, which is the right move, but it's also a sad move. He realizes that his friendship is over and that's good for him. But a friendship, you know, friendships breaking up is a sad thing, just like divorce is a sad thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think this is where our analysis diverges mm. a little bit but i agree they're at le- at the very least their friendship is going to be dissolving yeah on uh, on some levels Yes. I, I don't know if it's fully breaking up but i but we can talk about that later yeah. and and i completely agree with everything else that you
0: said so absolutely stunned by how much i love the book literally okay so 112263 is our favorite book
1: oh my god are you
0: dune dune is number 2 <laughs> yeah Rosemary's Baby is number three. Yeah. Sideways, number four.
1: Oh my God. For, fa- for
0: favorite books. You
1: didn't tell me that. That's really Number awesome. four.
0: I don't think it'll ever break into that top three, yeah. but I am thinking of doing something that I've never done before, except with those top three books, which is reading it again.
1: Wow, that's impressive. That's
0: how that's how entertaining, especially Jack is as a character. Yeah.
1: Oh my god. To
0: uh, picture me alone listening to the audiobook <laughs> laughing. There's no one around. Yeah. I'm just like laughing my butt off.
1: That's actually one of my favorite things in life is sometimes I'll hear you from the other room laughing at a book or TikToks. Mostly it's TikToks. Yeah. But I'll just hear this little like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this little twitter of laughter coming from the other room. It's so cute.
0: <laughs> it's yeah so well written both the book and the movie i we should say the movie was nominated for six oscars the only one it won was best screenplay adapted screenplay alexander payne and jim taylor won so yeah yeah. all right well a little background for the movie so released in 2004 it had a budget of 16 million dollars its box office was $109.7 That's insane!
1: Huge hit. Especially, yeah. can you
0: imagine a movie like this these days making $109 million? That's, I mean, no, that would never happen in no. 2023. The synopsis for both the book and the movie. So, two men reaching middle age with not much to show but disappointment. Miles, a failed screenwriter and author. Jack, a boisterous and handsome actor who only had about 15 minutes in the spotlight. <laughs> Embark on a week-long road trip through California's wine country Just as Jack is about to take a trip down the aisle In their travels, they meet two women Maya, a recently divorced server in Santa Barbara County Who is an acquaintance of Miles Through his various trips to the Hitching Post And Stephanie, or Tara in the book a Who quickly falls in lust Or perhaps in love with Jack, oblivious to the fact that he's getting married in less than seven days. Wow. Yeah, so Analysis time (laughs) Hit it off.
1: (laughs) Well, I was also gonna mention that the book had not even been published When the rights to the movie were purchased.
0: That's right. The book came out A month before the movie came out yeah so yeah Alexander Payne had bought the rights to the film when the novel was unpublished the manuscript going around both the book industry and the film industry so it was on its way to being published but it was not there yet
1: yeah which I find so interesting I maybe I should have done more research into this but I'm so interested to know how that came about because Prior to this book, Rex Pickett had not really published anything. This was his first novel. He had, fun fact, worked on Alien 3. Random. Random. (laughs) Um, But he was not a well-known author. So I don't know how Alex Payne discovered this guy who didn't even have a published manuscript yet and said, I want to make this movie. The even stranger thing is that Rex Pickett has not really published anything outside of two sequels to this book,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which are really strangely called "Vertical" and yeah. "Sideways Three Chile,"
0: yeah, <laughs> which
1: I really have no interest in reading. Those two others, right?
0: I looked at the synopsis, <laughs> and for the for both of those, and I'm like, this it sounds terrible.
1: Yeah, I I'm just confused about this author, <laughs> quite frankly. Yeah, that he made such a great debut and then just sort of fell off the face of the earth. I'm not really sure what he's up to nowadays, but I'd be interested in reading something different because I think he's got it in him. This book, surprisingly because I've talked about this before, I don't love contemporary fiction. That is one of my least favorite genres. And unfortunately, our podcast has sort of proven to myself my taste, my distaste for that genre. This novel... Shockingly, it walks a lot of tightropes, and one of the tightropes that it really walks is beautiful language that's infused with, shockingly, not contrived or sort of lofty Mm. language, but it's also beautiful. And I think part of the reason I love the descriptions of the landscape and the... Feelings of the characters is because it takes place in an area in which I'm also very, very invested, mm-hmm. sort of personally. They travel up to the Santa Ana's Valley. They go through. They travel up the one. Yeah. To get there, they stop in tiny little places that I feel like nobody knows about unless you live in Southern California, like Solvang, Buellton. Nobody's heard of Buellton unless you've driven up to like Slow or yeah. Northern California. They stay at real places. They stay at the Windmill Inn. They use all of these locations. They filmed on location. It's there. just so rooted. And I think that's another reason why the book and the movie succeed is because it's so grounded. And this all has to do... I'll quote the book. It all has to do with the grape, man. <laughs> it's just the grape. But it's so rooted. It's It feels so real and earthy because they... Yeah. Not the author and the filmmakers are really invested in keeping that like realistic location.
0: Yes, yeah, they actually filmed at the Windmill Inn yes. in Bealton, which is a real place. Yeah, um, yeah, they were they were there, boots on the ground in the vineyards, and you you feel it, and it adds an authenticity to the story. Which
1: funnily reminded me of Easy A which mm. is also where Thomas
0: Hayden Church Hayden
1: Church is. That was the first movie that I ever saw him in. I thought he was hilarious. Yeah. And it's just interesting. He's, I looked him up cause I, he has such a California accent. I also love it. I adore that about his character, yeah. but he's also from Yolo County, which is up Yolo? near, which serious? Is up near Sac, Are you Sacramento. Ser- there's a yeah.
0: California <laughs> town named Yolo. Are you s- joking I my know. ass?
1: <laughs> yeah. But, but even that, just his accent alone, Grounds me in that feeling of like I'm in California. I just adore it
0: at Thomas Hayden Church So he was nominated for best supporting actor for this film
1: And well-deserved
0: yes, he lost to Morgan Freeman for a million-dollar baby, but yeah Uh, well-deserved Nomination I wanted to expand your comment on the language. Yes, it it is both beautiful without being lofty but you do get these passages like to quote miles towards the end of the novel he says i'm a smudge of extra on a tissue surging out to sea with a million tons of raw sewage (laughs) and then and jack's like see i couldn't write that and it's like so he's such a good friend he doesn't realize that what miles is trying to say is that he like hates himself
1: i agree and it's funny because This book also uses an incredible amount of vocabulary. Yes. I feel like I have a pretty large vocabulary, but there were at least eight, I don't know, ten times when I actually had to go and look up a word Mm -hmm. because I didn't know what it meant. And the joke is that Miles knows how to use this language sort of against Jack to make him feel a little bit less than because I feel like his intelligence is the only thing that he can for sure dunk on Jack. Mm -hmm. But it... Didn't bother me. It didn't feel like the author was trying to make me feel unintelligent. Jack is almost there as sort of the fall man instead of the reader, which I think is a great way of flipping that the author is clearly more intelligent than I am yes. and wrote an amazing book, but I don't feel dumb reading it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it's almost like a humble brag, and I don't care. And that's <laughs> why. I learned. Yeah. Right.
0: That's why. I liked Miles so much because I, like a professor, I felt like he was teaching me how to talk, Mm. like how to analyze things.
1: Mm -hmm. That's actually a difference between the book and the film that I I really liked. Miles is actually a teacher in the movie, which I like because I feel like it gives us a little more hope that he doesn't have nothing to fall back on when his novel isn't published.
0: Exactly, yeah, he's either eighth grade or ninth grade. Teacher. Yeah, Yeah, one one of those two. In the book, it gets a little bit more deep into his past that he was a kind of an aspiring screenwriter, and his first movie he made with Jack, but it never got a distributor, so it's almost as if he didn't make anything at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then now he's a wannabe author, but even that fall through. So yeah, I did have that thought of like, is Miles, like, what's he gonna do after this? Just move back in with his. yeah there's
1: there's even more of a sense of no net yeah that's gonna catch him which i still love the book i just think it's kind of nice it's it's almost like grounds the movie a little bit more because realistically like who can be an unpublished author Mm. and even keep an apartment which which is another sort of tangent that the book takes that he's stealing money from his mom even just to pay rent like like he really cannot support himself and I just kind of feel like by the end of the movie the interesting thing is that the book and the movie end extremely differently yeah but the open nature of the movie made me feel a little bit more hopeful just because I feel like even though Miles doesn't eventually want to be a teacher I feel like he sort of is able to take a step forward because he still has that foundation mm-hmm. of being able to support himself financially.
0: Exactly. Right. Yep.
1: Maybe he's not he's not able to support his passion for wine, but, you know, maybe he can take that next step because he's clearly turned onto a better path by the end of the movie. Yeah. Even though it's quite vague yeah. about what happens at right. the end.
0: Exactly. And maybe not supporting his wine habit is uh good. Is a good thing. Is a good thing yes. because it touches upon alcoholism in a way that isn't so obvious Mm -hmm. and in your face I think it's a very respectful way to talk about it Mm -hmm. because like a lot of alcoholics maybe you don't realize that they have a problem until you're at a location and you watch them drink themselves Mm -hmm. silly because Mm -hmm. they get upset or because they're triggered by something
1: and and we see this in the movie I I Forgive me because I don't know exactly if this is mentioned in the book, but we see in the movie twice when Miles and Jack go out with Stephanie and Maya that Jack actually stops Miles from pouring himself another glass. And I think that's sort of a little bit of a wake-up call for Jack where he's like, okay, I know my friend is passionate about wine, but tonight it's going a little too far. This is right. why
0: Jack is such a great... Because yeah. he is such a good friend. He
1: really is. And
0: the thi- he is, like, absolutely morally bankrupt <laughs> yeah. with everything else. But he loves Miles. And it's, like, the sweetest thing yeah. to watch him, like cut miles off
1: yeah and not in an embarrassing way right either. exactly like he he literally just it, it's barely noticeable on the side of the screen when you're watching because during this montage which very effectively shows that miles is very drunk yeah um he, he's sort of like coming in and out of focus and you just kind of see very subtly Jack's hand move across the side of the screen yeah stopping him from pouring it out the glass I completely agree it's he's so attentive
0: without it being douchey or Yeah, annoying. he doesn't
1: call him out.
0: He is a douche, but his affection for Miles and respect—clear respect. See, that's the thing. You clearly understand that Jack respects Miles, and he never once outright says it. Like a, a lesser screenwriter or a lesser author would would just have Jack say, "Like you know how much I love you, you know how much I respect you." But no, it's it's through body language and you know directing and banter, right?
1: Banter, because the dialogue in this movie sounds like it's so authentic
0: right it feels real which is why I liked the book so much too mm. is that it's very funny and it feels real like Jack repeats himself a lot he always calls women like dynamite or like they're on yeah, fire or yeah. and he, he keeps on saying I, I'm gonna get my nut I'm, I need yeah. to get my nut yeah and he says it so much that I, I think I think an editor would normally cut that out but rex pickett is really going for authenticity here really setting the groundwork that these are real people in zany situations not that they're zany people in in real situations you know what i'm saying
1: no no it's so true because one of the reasons we've discussed on the podcast i think Maybe we haven't, but I will discuss it now. One of the reasons Aaron Sorkin is such an effective writer is because he builds character through dialogue. Yes, And I think that that grounds stories in reality because that's the only way that humans can communicate and get to know each other. It's through dialogue, is how you express physically and also orally. I think that's another reason why this book and movie come off as so adult. Because there's also a lot of realistic cursing. Like, yeah. like something that they repeat all the time is like, what the fuck? Yeah. It feels like I'm just talking to my friend. Yeah. And I'm not holding back. They're very real with each other. Mm-hmm. We get a little bit of inner dialogue from Miles because this book is written in first person, mm-hmm. which I actually like that the movie moved away from. <laughs> okay, and I actually, I actually wanted to give an example of how the dialogue makes it's just so funny and it builds their relationship. So, Jack continued to shake his head and in incomprehension while going over his menu. "What'd you do that for in front of that girl?" "I was trying to impress her." "Why didn't you just jump on the bar and take a dump?" <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that something you would say. That made me laugh out loud. Yeah. <laughs> that made me laugh out loud so much. It's on page 88 and mm-hmm. it just Cracked me up. Like, I would absolutely say that to my brother or my best friend if we were talking about, like, an embarrassing thing that my friend did while drunk, you know, uh, while trying to impress a flame. It's just so real.
0: Or something (laughs) that's so real, I don't have the book in front of me, but when Jack finds out that Miles knows Maya... Oh, yeah. Miles is trying to have a conversation, but Jack can't hold focus, and (laughs) he keeps on saying you know that chick (laughs) and miles is trying to like change the subject but jack just simply cannot yeah because he is so devoted to a getting himself laid but b getting miles laid yeah that he's like you know her and she's clearly into you why aren't you asking her out yeah great great character dialogue let's get into some of the differences here first difference i wanted to bring up right off the bat the title so, the reason for the film's title, Sideways, is never explained in the film itself, but right. it is made quite clear in the novel. As Jack and Miles always use the term sideways to mean intoxicated. You're yeah. sideways, man. Yeah. Dude, you're totally sideways. I, I, I can't be responsible for what I said last night. I was sideways. And I like that it feels like a jargon and an inside joke around that, uh, that real life friends would have. Like think Definitely. about your relationship with your friends or your you know your siblings. Like there are certain words that only you use and you don't use in the public, right? Right. Yeah. Like in the new Avatar film, he says "cuz" because in the first one he said "cuz." Oh, okay. I didn't say that. <laughs> so I don't get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to your point. Um. Exactly. So so that's a big one. Is they never use the term "sideways" in the movie. Yeah. Which I thought was an interesting choice.
1: They do use it visually though. Yep. There are a bunch of Dutch angles. One of my favorites is when Jack tells Miles that his ex wife is going to come to his wedding and also that she's just been remarried. Yeah. And they've only been divorced for about two years. And Miles is still clearly emotionally burdened with their divorce, which again kind of goes back to their discussion on masculine ways of processing emotion. But he and he's, he, grabs an open bottle of wine from the car and runs away down this little hill while they're pulled over on the highway. It's a steep hill but I think that the camera is also
0: <laughs> on, an angle, yeah. on an
1: angle to sort of demonstrate like how sideways Miles's life also is. Yeah. Because I think that the movie visually suggests that not only does sideways mean that he's drunk but he also just feels like his life is completely slipped yeah. and he's falling down a hill he's just sort of Mm -hmm. doesn't have any breaks and i like how the movie kind of expanded the definition of sideways by not like specifically defining it as
0: being drunk yeah and that scene of where miles has a freak out and runs into the vineyard is not in the book
1: yeah in the book
0: they just have an argument about it but the movie takes it further
1: with some visual comedy which i think is so funny because during this whole thing too miles is like swigging like chugging from this open bottle and he He like yanks the cork out with his teeth and spits it out and sprints down this hill and Jack can't catch up with him and then he ends up being winded (laughs) as soon as he gets to the bottom of the vineyard. Yeah, just a great piece of visual comedy.
0: And Paul Giamatti is incredible in this movie.
1: He is so perfect for this sarcastic character.
0: Yeah, I wanted to get into some more differences, but let's talk about Paul Giamatti right now. Incredible performance, so empathetic. You can tell that he's smart, but suffering from anxiety and sadness, depression from not being successful in his writing career but also with his marriage
1: I would say smart and depressed.
0: Yes excuse me. I don't like the word butt yeah exactly (laughs) Um, unless you're talking about big butts (laughs) so (laughs) like your head Yep. oh this goes into it a good difference so in the movie it's stated outright that Miles had an affair. Yes, and that was the reason why he got divorced. Yeah, and in the book, it's even more pressed that he's not over his divorce at all. Yeah, but it is never confirmed outright that he had an affair. The closest we get to that is towards the end of the book, when Miles is on the phone with Maya, trying to get him to come to the wedding. Maya is saying like, "What? What do you want? Like, you're you're clearly not over your ex." what happened did you did you cheat on her and miles doesn't say anything more or less confirming that he did but again we don't know 100 mm-hmm. percent for sure so that that's a big difference i think stating it outright doesn't really take anything away from the story but the intense subtlety of the book the fact that we know something happened without it being told to us is Incredibly effective. It also is a good plot twist because throughout the whole book You just think that it's a divorce, right? And you know that Miles is sad about that But with this reveal that he got divorced because he cheated it now makes more sense that he is punishing himself Yeah through wine. He loves wine, but what this really is is a punishment for himself
1: Yeah, I was gonna say two things about that too. The first one is that you're right through the subtlety by the end with that reveal we understand also this added layer of guilt and why he's punishing himself because we're not quite sure why miles hates himself so much and oh my god in the movie one of the saddest scenes is when he walks away from maya when she's clearly expressed some interest in him yeah after that incredible scene when they talk about pinot noir on the porch
0: literally watch that scene in screenwriting 101
1: exactly it's amazing but he walks away and goes to the bathroom and he starts talking to himself in the mirror and he's he's like you're such a fucking loser yeah like, like it's that's devastating but yeah. we then understand after you get to the end of the book in the film that he's cheated and
0: yeah he doesn't so he's, feel he deserves yeah Maya
1: right and that he might recommit that sort of quote unquote sin or, you know, whatever he's punishing for himself. He's scared that he's gonna do it again. Yeah. The other thing is that I think it makes it more interesting about his complicated view of Jack deciding that he's no matter what happens in the weekend, he's going to cheat.
0: He's going <laughs> to get his, his nuts.
1: He's going to get his nut. Yeah.
0: That's why it's so affecting because throughout the book you're reading it and Miles is protesting against Jack not to do this and you think that he's just Protesting against the act of adultery, but really he's saying I did this. Yeah, and it literally ruined everything in my life Yeah, and I'm watching my best friend do the same thing I did I don't want this to happen Mm -hmm. and with the movie. He seems a little less opposed to Mm -hmm. Adultery he's more like over it He's more like I just wanted to have a relaxing weekend and you are messing up everything like this is supposed to be for you but you're being so selfish that it's now affecting me.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think therein lies, too, the complexity of the characters because further in the book, they have discussions about their outlooks on monogamy and marriage. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that I really appreciate about this book and movie is that it discusses how these two men, especially Jack, use (laughs) just the most degrading language toward women. They also view marriage as a trap, as a prison. At least Jack specifically. At least like Jack he, does.
0: I think Miles wanted he he respects marriage so much, but he because of his mistake, he feels like like he doesn't deserve that privilege.
1: But but he starts questioning it in the book, too. He starts questioning whether, mm. quote unquote, humans are meant for monogamy, stuff right, like right, that, right. because he has been through this traumatic experience caused by a failed relationship or failed marriage. Yeah. And so I think what that discussion creates is like these two people, maybe at their core, they're not bad guys. But because of what society has sort of built up around the institution of marriage, They have this flawed understanding of what commitment and monogamy should be. And that, I feel like, is a conversation that we're still, as a society, we're getting there, but we're not quite having the right conversations. I feel like a lot of it is like, oh, you know, women have to trap men to be monogamous and and trap men into a marriage. And like, the thing that blows my mind about that conversation is like, if you're saying that you have to quote unquote, get your nut or... (laughs) have a crazy bachelor weekend and definitely cheat on your wife to sort of prepare yourself to be trapped for the rest of your life into having sex with one person like what in the fucking world tells you that that's the right person to be married to and and like that's that's sort of like the twist that i feel like societal expectation of marriage has created where it's like there's this expectation where if you've been in a relationship for x amount of years this is what you do and it's like no, like, no, who the fuck cares if you get married? Who the fuck cares if you've been with a partner for 10 years and you're not married? You know, you've been living together. Like, the, the thing that they're missing is that if you have someone in front of you that you clearly connect with, like Miles and Maya, that's the goal, mm-hmm. right? The goal isn't marriage. The goal isn't a long-term relationship. The goal is to be with people that you love and respect and challenge you to be a better person stuff like that and i think that's the answer that they're both searching for but they're just kind of blinded by this expectation Mm -hmm. and i I think that's like kind of why we're like we're like screaming at them just you know don't get married jack (laughs) break it off with christine or barbara as her name is in the book but
0: oh right that's right
1: (laughs) yeah they changed names in this a lot other than miles and jack which is kind of funny but anyway my point is like it's so funny Jack also has sort of a different attitude toward marriage in the book and the movie. Jack has a different relationship, I think kind of subtly, but Tara slash Stephanie, he kind of treats differently in the book and the movie. In the book, I feel like he really does view her as a flame. Mm -hmm. But in the movie, I really feel like they have a genuine connection. If he didn't want to meet Stephanie's daughter, which also, by the way, is a addition of the movie, he wouldn't have done it.
0: Exactly. And he wouldn't have been such a seemingly loving and caring father figure. Yeah. Yeah. So you brought up Stephanie.
1: Sorry I am I know uh, I'm talking a lot. I have so many things to so say. So <laughs> this
0: is there are a lot of changes with this character. So in the book the character of Stephanie, Jack's Flame, her name is Tara. But change to Stephanie in the movie played by the great Sandra O oh of Grey's Anatomy and Killing Eve fame
1: Incred- Also Princess Bride fame Oh,
0: excuse me, <laughs> yes um, Yeah, at the time that this movie was made Sandra Oh was married to director Alexander Payne In
1: nope. the chair, she's also in the chair right now
0: Yeah, No longer married, but she's great in this role But a lot of changes, so the name change Also, in the movie she rides a motorcycle Instead mm-hmm. of just driving a car Which adds this kind of outlaw badass Yeah characteristic to her and the big change is she has a kid in the movie so that adds another layer to how jack interacts with her he really seems like almost immediately to be her stepfather yeah and like puts her to bed when they after they go bowling he gets in the back seat with the child and rides back with them like and like
1: like, off screen is like giggling with her yeah
0: it's so sweet and yeah i definitely agree in the book It does seem for the most part like a flame until towards the end when Jack starts to realize that maybe I have some feelings for her. Mm. In the movie, it's pretty immediate after that raucous night of lovemaking he has. Three
1: condoms for me, here's one for you. One for you. And
0: a great detail is that the next day, Jack asks for Miles' extra condom, meaning that he went through three condoms the night
1: before. And he knows that Miles didn't Didn't, (laughs) go through his. Exactly.
0: (laughs) so yeah in the movie it definitely is more of like i think i actually do love her and might break off the wedding apparently rex pickett was unhappy with the changes made to tara slash stephanie so much so that in his sequel novel vertical he writes tara to have kind of burnt out after this relationship and like implied that she resorted to prostitution after Her relationship. Yeah, this is, is Jack. why I
1: have no interest in reading the next. Right. O- That's so dumb. Yeah, so, so dumb.
0: Yeah, I did as much research as I could, but I couldn't find like the relationship between Rex Pickett and Alexander Payne. It seemed slightly tumultuous that Rex Pickett worked with them during the production, but he's not a credited screenwriter. Yeah, that um, is interesting. And apparently. Pickett was not happy with a lot of the changes made, but I don't know, when Alexander Payne won the Oscar he thanked Rex Pickett in a speech, so it's a little it seems like a little one-sided hate with Pickett and Payne.
1: Which I can imagine probably happens with a lot of authors whose pieces have been adapted. My issue with that is when you have such incredible changes, but also such incredible fealty to the source material, that is the biggest compliment. I guess as an editor, which I do a lot at work, for someone to cut down on your perhaps unnecessary jaunts Mm -hmm. and maybe add something to pull out the kernel of what you're trying to say seems like something you'd want. Yes. And I think that's another place where like, for example, Stephen King misses the mark with deciding what Adaptations he likes and does not like
0: exactly like because he took likes the words right out of my mouth
1: right because he likes the television adaptation of it and freaking eleven twenty two sixty three like yeah. he likes that show but he doesn't like The Shining yeah. and I'm like you're an idiot right. I love your writing but honey like you yeah, gotta I, you gotta give it to the filmmakers yeah, when they yeah go back adapt. to
0: Maine <laughs>
1: <laughs> go back to Bangor oh my yeah. gosh I'm beautiful such a nerd. beautiful city <laughs> beautiful um, city
0: speaking anyway. of those jaunts, so this. This brings us to the next difference, or differences. So while the movie follows the plot of the book pretty closely, it cuts out a lot of these side jaunts that Miles and Jack have in the book. Which I think while I loved reading those, it added to the enjoyment and entertainment of the book. I think including these jaunts would have made the movie... Feel too larger than life and too slapstick.
1: That's exactly my criticism of the
0: book. Yes, gotcha. And yeah. th-
1: there's one specific instance that I'm sure you're going to talk about. Right,
0: the book for the most part is grounded, but it does have these few side stories that stretches credulity slightly. I'm not saying it's like fantasy, but it's slightly. So the big one is in the book. Miles and Jack go boar hunting with this local townie named Brad. And Brad is this like kind of mysterious young figure. So they go out hunting in the middle of the night, by the way. This is not a daytime thing. So they're in Santa Inez County, just in the wilderness there, and then they realize that they're being hunted by Brad. Yeah. Which is like the most dangerous game, right? Is yeah, that when humans yeah, hunt humans. Yeah. So it turns into a that situation, but then Miles and Jack end up reambushing Brad. <laughs> like commandeer brad's vehicle and his gun
1: and his id and his id and
0: essentially instead of running away they say okay we're not going to give you your id back unless you be our dd and drive (laughs) us around for the rest of the weekend which is funny which is funny and also it's fair because brad was trying to kill them it's fair and it's pretty funny Although there just wouldn't have been time nor, no. nor the room for this plot development in the movie. I think it, while fun and exciting and like horrifying for a few minutes, it's not the tone that Payne was going for. Yeah. So I understand not including that scene. Now this leads into the second difference with Stephanie's interaction with Jack after she learns that he's getting married. So in the book, once Tara finds out that Jack is getting married. She ambushes Jack at the Windmill Inn with Brad's gun. That She's already in their room and she shoots at them and she puts a few holes in their motel room and then later on Miles and Jack need to explain that to the cops. But in that scene Tara like scratches Jack's face leading to a huge... Uh, Cuts on his face, but also a broken nose. In the movie, since they they don't acquire Brad's gun at all, they don't meet Brad, Tara just shows up on her motorcycle and beats Jack down with her helmet.
1: Yeah, which is fair. And breaks his nose. And breaks
0: his nose (laughs) (laughs) that way. So any thoughts on on the difference there?
1: I mean, you're never going to disappoint me by removing guns from a situation. I think you're totally right about the Brad scene being a bit of a distraction. I think it also serves... The purpose of showing how forgiving Jack is as a friend, because he ends up like connecting with Brad, who wants to work in the film industry, Mm. and he even gives him his number, and he's like, "Yeah, dude, like, if I hear about a job, you know, as a PA or something, like, yeah, just give me a call, you know." Yeah. And I like that, but I would rather spend more time getting to know them as characters, and I think that that, as well as Tara attacking them with a gun it like crosses the line of believability which takes away from the scene where Miles chugs the spit bucket Mm. because without those scenes in the movie I feel like that punches even harder yeah because it's even more of an emotional outburst than it is another crazy situation that would happen on this sort of road trip yeah and so I like that they removed those things Sure. Because then it, it gives almost, like, more believability to when yeah. the spit bucket happens. Exactly.
0: More differences. So, in the book, Miles and Jack take a trip to Hearst Castle.
1: Yes! Which is another fun little California, California thing. staple, yeah. Yeah, and it also kind of harkens back to when we watched Mank and loved it. Exactly,
0: yeah. Or one of the few who loved that, unfortunately. Yeah.
1: I visited Hearst Castle with my family probably about this time.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: went on a little well, you can't go on a little tour of Hearst Castle because it's a frickin' castle. Yeah. But we went there and it was pretty cool. So it was kind of fun to hear through the eyes of these two characters. Yeah,
0: yeah. that scene in the book serves for the two men to scoff at the opulence right. of Hearst. But, you know, it also is mirroring their own trip where they are just spending an exorbitant amount of money on just dicking around, basically, yeah. for a weekend. Yeah, and, we and fine wine. <laughs> so, yeah, they uh, although they don't have the wealth of, It's kind of it's mirroring their situation, but it's not needed for the movie It would have just been another like literal jaunt away from the plot Yeah, and then now the biggest difference which I'm not even sure what my thoughts are on this that this wasn't included in the movie But in the book after miles finally has sex with Maya the next morning out of guilt miles finally admits that Jack is getting married In five days. And then Maya is upset, but then she admits that Jack had paid her to sleep with Miles. Now, I was walking uh, the dog when I was listening to this. I stopped, like, on the sidewalk, and very few things make my jaw literally drop. Mm -hmm. I say jaw-dropping a lot, but this was a literal moment where I was like, what... I did not see that coming at all. I re-listened to the chapter. It's so obvious that you know Maya was paid to be with Miles that that's you know what was happening but like the best twists watching it a second time changes the experience. Mm -hmm. Listening to it a second time changes it. So in the movie this doesn't happen. Right. Now in the book the thread is that even though Maya was paid she gives the money back and then later realizes that more or less she still wants to be with miles anyways right so lore a what do you think of that twist in the book and b what do you think about excluding that in the movie
1: well it's funny that you were walking the dog because i was actually vacuuming (laughs) and i was i think in mid thrust (laughs) vacuum thrust (laughs) and i went what yeah (laughs) and it's funny because like the rest of this book i feel like it's a complex move for jack Yeah. Because I don't think that he ever meant to hurt Miles by doing that. Right. I think that he honestly saw the lack of time that they were going to be up there. And he said, like, this is a way that I can sort of help Miles get out of his rut. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a malicious move. Right. But it's obviously a risk.
0: And it's done by someone who, with questionable morals who doesn't right. realize that if this plan doesn't go successfully, that stuff will come crashing down. But he's so flippant, and uh, you find out later, Rich, because he's marrying Barbara, right? that he just doesn't think about those things. Like, he's one of those upper-middle-class, privileged people who are just flaunt their privilege because they can and they've gotten away with it and i guess the book is more or less jack is getting away with it with cheating and being a douchebag but the consequences are physical and literal on his face so I, I, <laughs> this goes back to my favorite scene in both the book and the movie this is some similarity after jack's face gets beat up In order to oh this is something else so he breaks one of his ribs in the book after fighting or escaping from Brad so that's something that's not in the movie so in the book he visits the ER twice
1: I think four times well well
0: I was gonna get to that he visits the ER twice and then again after he crashes the car so uh, Jack in, in the best scene in both the book and the movie he's like he's thinking that his wife won't believe that he got these bruises anywhere else besides like you know cheating so he crashes miles car so he can then blame to further the lie (laughs) to further the lie to blame his bodily injuries on that yeah in the book it's hilarious to see it visualized in the movie so funny i think the best decision they made uh, alexander payne made was to go on a wide shot it's all it's all (laughs) one shot too they're driving and you just hear like the voiceover uh Jack go, hey Miles, can you put your seatbelt on for a second? He goes, Why? She's like, just just want to make sure it's on. And then they veer off, but the camera stays far away. And you watch this uh, you know, red, it's like a sob, red, a red sob, sob slowly like it's the slowest car crash into a tree. It an just hour. goes. Poof. <laughs> and then the the best change I think. So in the book, Jack crashes it once and says "Mm, this damage isn't enough and then crashes it again and Miles is like what the hell yeah he's
1: yelling at him the whole time
0: but in the movie after he crashes the car Miles understands what he said like you said it looks like a car crash so you got in a car crash so I simulated a car (laughs) crash and then in the movie they do a second one and uh, Jack puts a brick on, on a cinder block on the gas pedal but the car misses the tree and goes off into the distance through a fence and down a ravine (laughs) it's two visual great visual gags in a row again very slapstick but feels real which is what the whole movie is doing. That's why this whole movie is so successful. And
1: don't forget, they took the bottles of wine out of the back of the car before they crashed it for the second yeah, time. such a great... It's so yeah. funny. Uh, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I wanted to go back to Jack not thinking through mm. that decision to pay Maya. Yeah. Because, and I wanted to highlight the way that Jack's described on page 21. It's super early in the book. He was a tall, earth man with a movie star good looks, fashionably unshaven with a mop of sandy brown hair that shot in all directions on his large head (laughs) which i feel like is a little bit of a shot like he's a big head
0: yeah
1: he was attired in his trademark black bowler's t-shirt with jack embroidered and white lettering over the pocket a pair of colorful hawaiian shorts and matching flip-flops and by the way he's late (laughs) he's the one that's late it's Mm. not miles in the book and then later it says unlike me meaning miles Any weaknesses he had were secreted, and any negativity painted over with broad strokes of optimism. Truth for Jack was what he could touch and smell and taste at any given moment. Self-reflection was generally too deep for him. Mm. I think that's great, but it also sends us down kind of Miles' understanding of Jack, Mm. whereas over the course of the novel, we find out that Jack is actually a lot more self-reflective and insightful about their friendship than Miles gives him credit. And then I wanted to contrast that with later in the novel, page 311, with Jack saying, no, it's not just the grape, he protested. Okay, so the grape liberates some shit. I'll grant you that. But that doesn't mean the shit isn't brewing down there, that it's some illusory nothing thing, meaning their friendship. Mm -hmm. And then he goes, fuck, man, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) And then Miles internally says, maybe I did, but I didn't want to acknowledge it openly just then. I'd always had trouble with men who wanted to bond, to get emotional, to slit our thumbs with Boy Scout knives and make a blood pact. I just never wanted to get that close. Not to Jack, not to anybody. And at that moment in the vineyard, I realized that I was the lesser for it. And that Jack, despite his carelessness and amorality, genuinely possessed a depth of feeling that served him well and endeared him to others. Mm. And so I think that's like the perfect complexity of who Jack is. Like, he did a bad thing because he wanted to help his friend Mm -hmm. and it's like he just like he sees the end goal and just doesn't think about how he's gonna get there and that that's what makes him amoral but it's also so relatable yeah for people like that like he just he just doesn't think and it it almost like endears you to that person because it's like you were trying for such a good thing but like that doesn't make you a good person in some cases like, he wanted the marriage, and in some cases that's a good thing, but the way to get there for him was like, right, yeah. you're not thinking, you're cheating.
0: Long-term <laughs> goals are usually yeah. always harder to attain than, than <laughs> yeah. short-term, kind of in the moment. Like, what feels good now is always easier, yeah. but like to put in the work for something down the line, just for humans in general, is, is tough. Yeah. So you get that so, Yeah,
1: so he's just kind of a lovable idiot, but he's doing, yeah. he wants to do the right thing. So yeah.
0: and they just have this unbreakable bond that uh, comes to a head at the ending. So let's, let's discuss the ending, shall we? I'm
1: going to insert a little thing here too. Jack in the book literally drinks Miles's piss. Miles wakes up in the windmill Uh and he's super drunk, can't find the bathroom. It's dark. And he pees in a cup and he puts it on the bedside table and then Jack comes in and drinks it and he throws it against the wall and wakes Miles up and he's like, Jesus Christ, this isn't Chardonnay.
0: Oh, you remember okay. that? I completely forgot about that.
1: I just like, but that's the thing. Like, I love their relationship because Jack just like gets over that. It's like not even a fight. He's just like, that was fucking gross, and then they move on. Yeah, I just love that relationship, and so doesn't good. happen in the movie. But yeah. it's such a fun scene that I almost wish they had kept in the movie. <laughs> it yeah. could have been like a one minute thing, but but anyway, we can for move on. sure
0: the ending. So yeah.
1: there's another twist on page like. 345 out of 351
0: Mm -hmm. so in the book miles invites maya to jack's wedding and that's when she says like i don't know what do you want out of this relationship but then she ends up coming to the reception not to the wedding itself but because she hates jack but you realize that it's more or less stated that she is bypassing her distaste for jack to show up for miles or at least to take him away from that because she says i'm not a big fan of weddings anyways do you want to go somewhere else and miles says yeah and they go off and that's kind of like the literal break from jack and miles's friendship and like i think maya realizes that the best thing for miles is to remove him from the situation so the movie is more open-ended maya does not show up to the wedding nor does miles invite her at the end when miles returns to san diego his home in san diego which is different in the book he lives in la yeah
1: i think he does yeah, yeah.
0: He, he listens to his voicemails and maya calls him back to reveal that she did read his manuscript after all and says like hey if you're ever back in uh Bulton, hit me up mm-hmm. and the movie ends just as it began with a knock at the door and it's Miles knocking on Maya's door and you don't know if she opens it or not. Like perfect beautiful mm-hmm. I mean, we know that Maya opens it, but the fact that it cuts like there, it's like beautiful. It's yeah. like the ending of Inception. We don't need to know. Yeah. Just cut cut to black. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. So subtle. But we can discuss our different interpretations of the ending. Of the book, because I know that we discussed this off mic, but mm-hmm. let's let's get into it now.
1: This is super subtle too. I I wanted to finish like cap that thought. You're right. The movie ends with a knock at the door, like it starts, and I just want to call out the freaking costume and makeup department again because just with what Miles is wearing, and the fact that he's the one knocking instead of the one being knocked. At, yeah, we can see what a change he's made in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Like he's he's asleep at like 11 a.m. in the beginning. He's frumpy. He's in pa- like not even pajamas, just like a wife beater and boxers. He's like,
0: late to Jack's yeah. plans, but
1: specifically the costume. In. Yes, like yes. he's so frumpy. Yeah, he's exactly. wearing oversized clothes. But the first time Maya sees him, even she comments like, "Hey, did you lose a little bit of weight?" Maybe that's not true, but we can kind of see that he's wearing ill-fitting clothing. Mm -hmm. And then by the end, you know, he's put together and his his hair is combed. I just wanted to say that that's a really effective piece of visual Mm. storytelling. Definitely. Very subtle, though. Yeah. Like, really, he's wearing the same outfit, almost, like, pants and a tucked-in T-shirt. He just, yeah,
0: visually looks... Visually
1: looks more pulled together. So I just wanted to, like, call out the costuming and makeup department. Who didn't get nominated for an Oscar. But they should have been. So... In the book, my read is that Maya kind of already knows that Miles is an alcoholic. I think she's pulling him out of the situation due to her understanding of his lingering pain after his divorce. I don't know that she's pulling him away from Jack. Mm -hmm. I think Jack is a good enough friend that their friendship actually is good for each other. In the book? Yes, in both the book and the movie. I think that their relationship is good enough where, like, my interpretation of them sort of growing apart is because Miles feels like he's not a married couple or like not really a couple. And so he doesn't really have place as a single person in Jack's life anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I feel like Miles just feels like Jack isn't going to have time for him anymore. Mm. And I fully understand that because I think as a couple, you, you do move together so much more. I think this is maybe another expectation more than a reality that like you know suddenly you can't be friends with the people that you were friends with in college or whatever after you get married Mm. because it's like oh you know you were crazy back then but now you have to settle down and there's that like weird threshold that people like quote-unquote cross when they get married i don't i think that's a little bit of a again, a misunderstanding of how marriage should work. (laughs) Like, you should obviously have friendships outside of your relationship, but I do think, like, it is a natural time that you start to spend more time with your partner, you know, especially just, even if you're not married, if you're, like, in a committed relationship, you just tend to move as a couple more often than you do as a single person. So I think that's, like, where the natural split is. And we recently watched The Banshees of Inesherim, which Mm -hmm. is an interesting look at another fracturing of a male friendship yeah it's a really good movie super Mm -hmm. sad also right but that is more of like a manufactured decision on the part of one person Mm -hmm. and I think like you maybe interpret it closer to that movie yes Uh, if yeah if I may yes exactly no I'm leaving it to you I, for your discussion, because I, I think we disagree. Maybe on
0: this maybe I missed something and Miles did outright say because Jack is getting married, his wife is going to be pulling him away. Maybe I just absolutely missed that. However, like the Banshees in Ashiram, I did see kind of, or I felt where it's literal in the Banshees where Brendan Gleason says like, I'm making this decision not to hang out with you because you're you're dull. In the book, I just thought, okay, here are the succession of events jack forced miles at dawn to do a reconnaissance like special ops mission to go retrieve his wallet in the den of these two i guess california rednecks is that a thing oh yeah (laughs) and so miles almost died retrieving his jack's wallet and then right after that jack without warning crashes his car twice ruins his car and then like right after that now he's getting married and it doesn't seem like jack is really apologizing for the trauma that he's put (laughs) him through and i think that miles is finally realizing without stating it that we went through a lot through this trip and i'll always remember it but now that he's married i'm not his responsibility Anymore Mm -hmm. and I can't be he's just Jack is like too toxic for me He loves me, but this is too toxic So I viewed it as like it's a both a literal and a metaphorical Send-off because he never talks to Jack at, uh, at the reception. He lifts up his glass to cheers him and he's congratulating Jack for a getting married but b for like starting a new chapter and miles for his own mental and personal health he mm-hmm. shouldn't be a part of that new chapter and he is happy that now maya has entered his life so he's like this next chapter for me is maya this is how i'm gonna get better mm-hmm. and getting better is not with jack yeah and again we differ on that perhaps this is a instance of an interpretation gone too far but in that moment that's what came to me listening yeah. to it and I was on the verge of tears knowing that this relationship was meaningful and it's ending.
1: Well, I don't think it's interpretation gone too far because as Dr. Flory taught me, you can interpret anything in a book or a movie as long as you can back it up with evidence. And I think you have. Like, you're totally right. They don't talk at the reception or the wedding. Yeah. And I think that's like a pretty good signal that he knows that there's going to be At least some type of distance and he might choose to take more steps away from that whether or not that's an interpretation of what he thinks is going to happen or how he thinks he will act Mm -hmm. i don't think that there's any wrong way of interpreting that i was just gonna say that there's a quote on 344 that proves your point a little bit miles says jack was heading off into another world when i could only be a peripheral part of now yeah. So again, I think there's a little bit of gray area. Maybe right. I'm just a little more hopeful that they'll continue seeing each other, at least getting a beer once a month or something like that. But even that is like a step away. Yeah. So
0: I actually want Miles to not interact with Jack anymore. Despite him, Jack being such a great friend, the hell he put him through is that kind of exceeds that.
1: I I just I totally disagree because I just think that Miles needs someone outside of him becoming a dependent in a relationship. Mm. I don't think he's dependent on Jack because I think he views himself as a little bit superior. Oh, I
0: don't think he's dependent on Jack. I think Jack's dependent on Miles.
1: But that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that Miles needs someone that he's not dependent on because I get... This is projecting a little bit, but if he gets invested in a, a relationship like with Maya and he slips into his old ways, I feel like he needs someone like Jack, who's very different to shock him out of being that person again. Mm. So I feel like he needs Jack in his life. And that's why I hope that Jack like kind of keeps pushing. I love that there's this consistent theme of like Jack pushing miles out of his comfort zone because no matter how stupid (laughs) Jack's ideas are, at least it almost like brings the best out of miles because he's, not just gonna be, like, sitting in his apartment drinking wine, you know, like, he needs that push to get out and actually do things for himself. Right. So, like, I want them to stay. I
0: guess, yeah, this is an interesting debate because I think the trip itself was such a big push that Miles needed, but so that's why his final farewell in the book is, like, so touching, because it is sad that their friendship is breaking up, but Miles knows that he needed this he needed this trip to have the confidence to be with Maya. Now he's found it and he doesn't want to be put through the bad parts of the trip mm-hmm. again. And he knows that that will happen. Jack's not going to change. Mm-hmm. He's a stone, Jack is a stone wall. So I think he's found what he needed. Jack gave it to him, but it's enough now. Mm-hmm. I, I guess it's kind of a difference of interpretation. Well, yeah. it's
1: interesting too because I feel like something you're not really supposed to do is project past a piece of literature, I'm maybe sort of interpreting past the book a little bit, because you're saying like, you close the book, it's done, he's gonna be better. My projection past the book, which might not be right, because I can't really find any specific evidence in the book to suggest this. But my understanding of like anxiety and depression is that because they're cyclical, Miles is not just going to be better. Oh, sure right? so he's gonna he's going to go through another cycle of anxiety and depression that he hasn't addressed yet because you know they just went on this crazy road trip and it kind of felt like a distraction from everything that was happening and mm. i'm not sure that maya is necessarily going to like quote unquote fix that problem because he hasn't sure. really like he hasn't you know gone to therapy he yeah. hasn't like or actually he has gone to therapy which is kind of a funny joke in the book but like he hasn't necessarily healed from the trauma of his divorce oh yeah So i feel yeah, like yeah. this is going to come back again and he's going to get into another lull and i don't know that maya is the person that would be able to get him out of that like he needs the friendship with jack to sort of push him out of his comfort zone again and say like hey man like you're drinking too much. Or you know, let's go on another road trip or something, and let's do something else to sort of get you out of this funk. I feel like you need that longevity that doesn't come from a romantic relationship. Like you need that friendship aspect of someone yeah. else who's gonna like hit you on the side of the head and yeah, and shock you out of a pattern. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like that's. I
0: mean, all, all past f-
1: the book though. So yeah,
0: all fair points for sure i guess i don't view miles as perfectly cured by the end of the book but i do view the stories of the book as miles's break from from that cyclical nature again he's not cured of anxiety not cured of depression not saying maya is the definitive partner for him but i do view him on on the right path and we differ on whether or not he needs Jack in his life, and yeah. I think we're we're never gonna.
1: Well, that's that's the thing. I think it's so agree lovely it. that we care so much about Miles yes. that we want to see him to succeed in whatever way that happens. And I don't think that we're gonna get that answer by reading Vertical or Sideways no. Three Chile. <laughs> I look up the
0: synopsis for <laughs> Vertical. Like it's so stupid.
1: Yeah, but my point is. That we care so much about this character that is purely paper. Yeah. Like, he's a pure fictional character that we are debating (laughs) what might be best for Miles' life to make sure that he doesn't slip into another bout of anxiety and depression. I think that's amazing. And I think that came from both Rex Pickett and Alexander Payne. They both created this wonderful character, but most importantly, it's who brought it to screen... Paul Giamatti is mm. a fucking brilliant person. Yeah, we can talk about casting now. was I not
0: well I was gonna make the executive decision to wrap this up because we're going long.
1: No, let's keep talking. Paul Giamatti, I feel like brought the sarcasm that's written in the book that you just like can't quite hear. and I feel like he just thrives on these ridiculously dour comedic characters. I was going to just mention the first time that I saw all of these main characters in movies that I feel like are absolute iconic moments. Mm -hmm. So the first time I saw Paul Giamatti was in Big Fat Liar. Same. (laughs) Which came out before this movie, 2002. That's 21 years old. Wow. Loved that movie. And he plays a very similar sarcastic jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Sandra Oh, the first time I saw her was in Princess Diaries, another icon of my growing up. Loved her in that. She's a literal cameo. I think she was already on Grey's Anatomy as a rising star, but she is so incredible. She's such a star. I read this article recently, an interview between her and one of the women that stars in Squid Game, and she just asks incredible questions. And people who ask amazing questions are people that I want to be... Like, so mm-hmm. I just adore her. And she's obviously been through a lot through Hollywood. So I just love that she has this really meaty, juicy part. Mm-hmm. The woman who plays Maya, we talked about in Candyman, our episode on Candyman. Yeah.
0: Virginia Madsen. Virginia
1: Madsen. The first time I saw her was in Monk, which I loved that show growing up. It's mm. so good. Yeah. Um, about the time of this too, I think Monk started in like 2006 or something like that. Um, But she ends up with, spoilers, Randy Disher, who's a great detective. Actually, he's a shitty detective, but love him. And then, finally, Thomas Hayden. Thomas Hayden Church. The first time I saw him was in Easy A, another classic movie that I loved as a kid.
0: He's great in that, amazing in this. The first time I saw him, I think, was uh, George of the Jungle with Brendan Fraser.
1: (gasps) Oh, you know what? I've never seen that.
0: I don't think it holds up, but <laughs> no,
1: I, I, I want to rewatch it though because of the the resurgence. Yeah, of Brandon Fraser. But yeah. Anyway, so these are, these Thomas are Hayden Church. Actors. Yeah, all great
0: performances, yeah. all great actors. Thomas Hayden Church, like this is the role of a lifetime. Imagine, oh, yeah. like I'm jealous. Yeah, I'm not even act. I'm yeah. not an actor, but I'm jealous for him. Paul Giamatti, famously not nominated for best actor for this role
1: insane
0: here are the people nominated Don Cheadle for Hotel Rwanda okay great performance I haven't seen that Leonardo DiCaprio for The Aviator okay I get it Jamie Foxx you haven't seen The Aviator no oh my god uh Jamie Foxx for Ray he won I love Jamie Foxx I totally get that win
1: haven't seen that (laughs)
0: Triggering me, Clint Eastwood for Million Dollar Baby. Okay, good movie. The Million Dollar Baby One, Best Picture. It's a good movie, but just an absolute bummer. And then finally, Johnny Depp for Finding Neverland. Oh yeah, everyone's favorite movie, Finding Neverland. Am I right? The Oscars does this every year. They they nominate one movie that literally has the social cachet of zero. It no one remembers. Remembers it after, like right after the ceremony. So stupid. I think the public opinion of Johnny Depp has fallen off. But even I think at the time, Paul Giamatti should have been up there with these with these greats. Just his
1: line deliveries, and not only his line deliveries, but his reaction to the other actors and what acting is reacting right. His ability to react like he's hearing this information the first time and being a dick about it in some moments is yeah. so inspired.
0: Right. I love his Yeah. And acting. I just value this movie so much for being a small indie that cost 16 million and gross so much. Again, as we said at the beginning of the episode, that would never happen today or very rarely would it happen. The only like similar case I can point to today is the movie The Menu. That Ooh. the the movie that movie cost 15 million and it grossed uh, 60 million. And it's now a hit on streaming. So similar, but again, not the same. Yeah. Uh, and keep in mind that ticket prices were less back in 2004, it, yeah. you know, yeah. inflation. Yep. So it makes it even more of a hit. Yeah. I, final fun fact. So we had the privilege to go up to Napa Valley last summer for our cousin's wedding. Beautiful. Like one of my favorite trips that we've ever taken. Yeah. And through my brother's connections, we had a wine tasting at Duckhorn Winery, mm-hmm. one of the most prestigious wineries in Napa Valley. That
1: also is an umbrella that owns Paradox, a bunch of other labels. Yeah, yeah.
0: like what, a, what an experience. And in that, so this was months ago before we knew we were covering this so he brought up the fact that in 2000 2000- yeah, yeah the Smolier, reggie yeah. shout out reggie yeah. um that in 2004 merlot made up to close of 20 percent of california's red wine market and for specifically duckhorn it was much larger i forgot the percentage but it was like closer to 30 or 40. then a little movie called sideways dropped and you know famously the character of miles detests merlot
1: If anyone drinks a fucking Merlot, I'm fucking leaving.
0: (laughs) And then Merlot sales across the country dropped to 13%. You never see dips like that in the wine market. Duckhorn almost went out of business. The most famous profitable winery in Napa because of a movie literally almost went belly up. So that just shows you kind of how effective art can be.
1: So I read an article about this too, and I thought it was interesting because... Some opinions now are like, oh, you know, Merlot was dipping before the movie and this just like helped it crash. Mm. And I thought it was interesting. It's sort of one of those cyclical, like life imitates art imitates life things mm. because Miles wouldn't have said that if he didn't have so much knowledge that he already knew that Merlot was mm. like taking a back seat. Yeah. So, like, the fact that the market was already dipping, which is why they wrote that line into the m- movie. Caused it to dip even more. So exactly. I, I thought that was cool. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So that huge dip is called the sideways effect. It and has it's happened
1: with other items too. Exactly. Correct? Yep.
0: Yeah. And other items and other movies, whether it be you know food or, or drink or products. Yeah. Like the sale of Reese's Pieces went up, in after E. T.
1: That's right. Yeah. yeah. So um, it really should be the Reese's effect.
0: Exactly. <laughs> Spielberg did it first. Because
1: M and M's took a dip after Reese's became mm. a fad.
0: Yeah. So. So yeah, I think outside of just loving the writing and acting of both the movie and and the book and just the production, I think 2022 was such a year jam-packed with weddings and bachelor parties, including our own, right? Mm -hmm. That that's what really made this piece hit even harder. I wasn't lamenting with my friends that my life was ending after, you know, I was Mm -hmm. getting married to you. But I think bachelor parties and the trips like these—they do bring out the vulnerable side of you. You do connect with your yes. friends more, and the fact that we also went to Napa and were in similar similar environments that these characters were in—wine country—it yeah. was the perfect storm of making of giving all these personal connections to the story that really made it really made this piece sing. Mm -hmm. I I really love this. I I really value it. If it's not obvious by now, I'm going to rate it high. Do you have any final thoughts before we get to our final ratings?
1: Just a couple. The score we haven't talked about, and I wasn't able to appreciate the score as much with the 747 engine (laughs) ringing in my ears. Mm -hmm. But the second time that we watched this at home really allowed that to up the frenzy of the action mm-hmm. and it reminded me of mad men because it's kind of an old that kind of thing loved it really highlighted the characters not only ups but downs loved it
0: music by rolf kent
1: rolf kent who also composed one of our next upcoming books up in the year. can't wait to discuss that book too The other thing that I was going to say was, I didn't appreciate this on the plane, but I was able to appreciate this the second time we watched it, was how the camera focuses a lot of times on the listener instead of the speaker, which kind of flips a film convention on its head about who's the important person to focus on. And I really like that. I think it gives the actors more time to be like subtle and expressive, Mm. which I really loved.
0: Yeah, agreed.
1: I also, this is something that I saw in an article, so I can't take full credit for it, but I love this <laughs> interpretation. So they said that Jack is a Merlot and Miles is a Pinot Noir, mm. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so key because we see their flaws and also their strengths Yeah. in comparing them to grapes or making them sort of a metaphor for the grapes that make this complex drink. I just, you know, Merlot is like the people pleaser. It's sweet. It's easy to enjoy. Yeah. And Pinot Noir takes like...
0: It's more subtle. Yeah, it's more subtle and it
1: takes a lot more understanding. Yeah. A deeper understanding for who the person is or for who, what the wine brings out. And I think that that sort of means that you're going to have deeper relationships with that person mm. or wine or memories with that person or wine.
0: Good point. Yeah. So
1: I kind of, I loved that interpretation. I just wanted to slide that in there because I thought it was really brilliant. I think that's it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> sweet. Or not too sweet. Like a peanut. Yeah. Final ratings at a four for the book.
1: It's funny because you say that you'd read, read the book. I would probably not. I would say this mm. book is a three out of four because oh, wow. okay. I do did get distracted by the things that I didn't feel like were necessary. And maybe because I saw the movie first, Mm. I really liked the streamlined elements of it and how effectively it was directed.
0: Yeah, I'm interested. That's funny. Most people saw the movie first since the book came out a month before the movie. Right, yeah. yeah. I think I'm one of the rare cases who read the book That could be
1: very true. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people know that this is a book because you know how many times I've gone through those listicles that are like, you know, 10 of the best adaptations or whatever Mm -hmm. sort of mining for content for our podcast. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen Sideways on those books because otherwise I probably would have questioned it or or talked to you about it and said, have you seen this? So I don't think a lot of people know that this book is a movie or that this movie is based on a book. So I'm going to say three out of four stars for the book four out of four for the movie i almost immediately added it to my top 100 movie list mm-hmm. i don't know where it falls in because after one through 10 i don't have them ranked and i don't know that this breaks into my top 10 but All right. i love it
0: yeah same yeah book is a four out of four i just love miles and jack so much i like respect miles it's it's Like, I want to have a career in storytelling, but very rarely do I, like, fall in love with characters. Mm. I usually fall in love with filmmaking. Yeah. But this was an instance where, like, the actual character work, I'm like, this is fascinating. I want to revisit it time and time again.
1: It's almost like the plot didn't get in the way of character building, whereas sometimes the other, the opposite is true. Yeah. Where, like, themes get in the way of character building. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry.
0: The... No, it's all right. The movie 4 to 4 as well, I haven't added it to my top 100, but I think it's going to be in there probably around, like, spot 80 or so, which sounds low, but keep in mind it's my top 100. Like, to be around the 80 mark, that's not, like, saying, like, it's, like, Less than, I, I, you know, it, it's in there. It's yeah. in the top 100. I watch a lot of movies. Yeah. I don't know if you know this. Um, so, yeah, love it. Uh, love Alexander Payne as well. I'll watch anything he uh, makes, except for Downsizing. That wasn't very good.
1: I haven't seen
0: it, sorry. All right, so <laughs> uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back in a few with our coverage on Moneyball. So yeah. So stay tuned for that. And then after Moneyball is our episode on Minority Report also can't wait for that so that's two guest episodes in a row yeah sweet all right well thanks for listening please rate review subscribe if you haven't already and we'll see you on the next one cheers